The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. What a feast from God's Word Isaiah has for us today. It is humbling to look at this Word of God. Of all of the texts in the Old Testament, I think you can make the argument that this is the most important one. This is it. This is the program of God's salvation. We're going to be looking at verse 6 especially today and asking ourselves this question. This is our whole sermon series for Advent. We're going to answer this question definitively. What shall I cry today? Follow along as I read on verses 12 and 13 these remarkable verses from the gospel prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion... Go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Really, Isaiah? I mean, really... Do you have to ask the question, what shall I cry? That's me questioning Isaiah's question. Because the Lord had told Isaiah plainly, with great clarity, what he was supposed to say. He had said to Isaiah, Tell my people, comfort 
comfort. Two times. Double the intensity. Double the emotion. Double the command. Double everything. Comfort, comfort my people. You know what I think? I think that should have been enough. I think that should have been enough for Isaiah to answer his own question, what shall I cry? I shall cry comfort to the people. But the Lord, He doesn't even leave it there. He doesn't leave this double answer there. He continues. He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Speak to Jerusalem like a man speaks to a woman. Speak beautifully. Speak romantically. Speak better than any Hallmark card. Win her and woo her. And this is how you are to speak to this woman named Jerusalem. Tell her that God loves her. Tell her that God's got a love for her that is so breathtaking that He's going to come. He's going to come and marry her and rescue her from the mess of her own sin. Isaiah, tell them that. Isaiah, proclaim that to them. Isaiah, speak it from the mountains. I think... Isaiah should have known what he was supposed to say. That's why his question's so jolting, so weird, I think, that after all of that, after the glory of the Lord is revealed to all flesh, and the voice says, cry out that Isaiah's got to ask. He's got to ask, well, Lord... I'm not quite sure at this point what you want me to say. What shall I cry? You know, it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder if Isaiah just kind of spaced out that maybe he like stuck his fingers in his ears and went la 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 and he just missed that whole first part of Isaiah chapter 40. Or, like, if this is one of those instances, you know, all of us parents here in New York City, we just went through parent-teacher conferences, and you got to that box on there that says, behavior listens well. If the teacher checked it and then says, maybe Isaiah should listen better to God. I already told you, Isaiah, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't think that's what's going on here, because later... Isaiah is able to sit down and recount word for word exactly what the Lord had said. And you know what else? Is anybody ever able to space out in God's own presence? I mean, do you think that there's something that could distract you from all of that glory? Do you think that, that maybe Isaiah just, you know, fell asleep while the Lord Almighty is instructing him to comfort Comfort his people. I don't think that's what happened. Here's the thing. Isaiah knew what he was supposed to preach. He knew it. He just didn't want to. He didn't want to. Because he knows what happens with romance. It just falls apart. 
he's thinking to himself, you know, God, I know I'm supposed to speak comfort, comfort to Jerusalem, but they're just going to leave you. You know, God, I know that I'm supposed to proclaim sins forgiven to them, but they're just going to keep on sinning. You know, God, I know that you're telling me to speak romantically. You're telling me to speak on her heart that this lady, she's going to run off with somebody else in five years. Isaiah knew exactly what he was supposed to say, but he didn't want to say it. And that's why he goes on to say his complaint to the Lord. And to speak that complaint onto the Lord's heart. He goes on to say in verse 6, All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field, The grass withers and the flowers fall. It's not that Isaiah was uncertain about what he was supposed to say. He knew what he was supposed to say. It's not that Isaiah was uncertain about the dramatic and long-lasting love of the Lord for His people. He knew that without a doubt. But you know what was uncertain for Isaiah? love of the people. You know what else was uncertain for Isaiah? Their faithfulness to God. Actually, it wasn't uncertain for him. It wasn't uncertain for Isaiah at all. He was absolutely certain about the unfaithfulness of the Lord. In fact, he compares it to grass. It's an absolutely stunning and shocking metaphor because the thing that dies the easiest in this world is grass. And so this is what Isaiah does. He says over and over again in verses 6 to 8, grass, grass, flowers, grass, grass, flowers. It's all just going to die. That's what their faithfulness is like. Why should I cry out to grass? Why should I call out to flowers? You know who Isaiah is like? He's like your uncle at a wedding. Your uncle who's been divorced three times and who's had a little bit too much to drink. And you're sitting at the table with your uncle and he says, you know what, this is all beautiful. Look at their love that they have for each other. Look at the bride and your uncle whispers in your ear, I'll give them five years, Max. He's right, you know. Not your three times divorced uncle who's had a little bit too much to drink. That couple might make it, even if the odds are against them. Isaiah's right about human faithfulness. He's right when he says, all people are like grass and all their faithfulness 
is like the flowers of the field. I mean, of all the truths that you can count on in your life, this is bedrock truth. (laughs) You know this not only from the scriptures, but from your own experience. Right? And the older that you get, the older that you get, the more you know this, that you actually can't count on anybody. You can't. The people closest to you, your husband and your wife, well, they might fail you one day. Your own family. Your own family might not be there when you want them to be. Your church members, they might just decide that they're mad at you and just plain quit, even though they are in covenant with you. You know, that's a sad truth that we should know that it should not be surprising at all when we see that human faithfulness is just like grass. And so Isaiah, he looks at this unfaithfulness, he looks at this lack of love for other people and for God, and he says, well, what can I say in the face of this? What can I do? Or to use his words, What shall I cry when it's just not going to work? And what's stunning here, what I love about this part of Isaiah is that God is like this this buoy. I mean, Isaiah, he's like this giant rock and he's just, he's in despair and this rock is going to pull everyone down into the depths of the sea, but God is like a buoy. I mean, nothing gets God down, not even human unfaithfulness. And so God comes back, he says, he says something amazing. He's absolutely undaunted. He says, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. So God is looking at this mass of human sin, this mass of human unfaithfulness, and nothing can get him down. Do you see his joy at this Advent message? He says, don't just get up on a mountain. Get up on a high mountain. He says, don't just... Comfort my people. Comfort them with a shout. He says, don't be afraid to say what I'm going to tell you next. Don't even get afraid that the people are going to reject it. He says, say it anyway. And this is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to cry out. Here is your God. It's that simple. In the face of human unfaithfulness, cry out, here is your God. In other words, tell them about Advent. Tell them that God is coming. I wonder if, if, if Isaiah understood what he was really saying when he said, here's your God. I wonder if he got it. I, 
I wonder if he was able to stitch all of his prophecies together and then God opened up his eyes so that he could say, with Joseph and Mary, as they looked at Jesus in the manger, here is your God. I wonder if he was able to piece it together and realize that that suffering servant that he would later talk about be able to say with the centurion as Jesus had just given his life for the world, here is your God. Or I wonder if, if Isaiah could see it the way Thomas would touch Jesus' hands and put his hand in his side and then cry out in Isaiah's own words, here is your God. I wonder if Isaiah could, could see all of that when he proclaimed to the people, here is your God. Even if he couldn't see it yet, we can see it, we know it, and we believe it. This is what we cry in the face of human unfaithfulness. We cry out Emmanuel, God with us. You know what that does? We have so many questions, right? What are we supposed to say in the face of human sin? What are we supposed to do with human unfaithfulness? What should we cry out? We have all of these questions. What do we do with grass that dies and flowers that fade? We proclaim this. God has come to give to grass the most mortal of all things undying life through Jesus. We proclaim this, that flowers whose beauty ultimately fades are given an unfading beauty in Christ. This is what we proclaim, and as we proclaim it, the questions are simply torn up by the roots, and the question mark is turned over to form an exclamation point, right? We are no longer asking this, what shall we cry? But as we contemplate, God with us. We can only say in the depths of our hearts, what shall I cry? Exclamation point. Amen. Amen.